Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing this morning, Lord. We know that you're moving. We know that you're here. We know that, huh, Lord, it's, it's, it's about the way that you want to do things. We see that. We see that. We step into the Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. We step into that. Individually and corporately, Lord, we say here we are. Have your way this morning. Your word says that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. You show us in your word that you want us to pray your word. So, Lord, when we open up our mouths, I pray that what comes out is that which is which is in us, which is your word, which is the the lifeblood of everything that we do. So, Holy Spirit, be here. We don't want to move forward without you. We know that you're here, but, Lord, guide this time. Guide this message. Guide these words. Guide our hearts in the, the receiving of this word. Lord, we need you this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I'm going to grab those lights back there for me. It is an unbelievably exciting, amazing time. <laughs> this building is un- it's just unbelievable. Um, I'm in a place where I get to lead through this, and it's fun. It's fun. Uh, Carrie was talking about there's people in our congregation who have certain expertise. They're trying to keep me out of it because I'm a construction manager guy. You know, got my degree in that. But I guess I'm used as a reference for certain things. <laughs> but the interesting thing about this whole building process is that you guys know, some of you know, that we had a different property in mind. And what happened with that other property was that the Lord said, I don't want you to have that one. And that's okay. But the way that it's happened with this property has, it's been so smooth. Can I, can I say that? In, in conjunction or comparison to the other property. And it just, it, it shows that the Lord's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us to step in. So we stepped in and we, we looked at a previous property and the Lord was like, Hey, I appreciate you stepping into this and starting a building campaign and going down the road where you're getting things taken care of in a, uh, a classy way. But I don't want you right there. I want you over here. Sometimes the Lord says that to us. I don't want you over here, but I want you over here. But nonetheless, he is saying, thank you for stepping in. You know what? I'm okay with not getting that other property. I'm okay with this one because I know because of how it's happened, it's the Lord's doing. Amen? Same thing in our lives. It's a divine thing. You see the title of this message, Divine Timing. Um, That is self-explanatory. I think I don't need to expand on that. Um, And so the the previous messages a couple weeks ago, we were um, diving into uh, the blessing and the curse, understanding uh, that the Lord sometimes brings us to a place where we want, we'll, I don't want to say he brings us to, we, we always need true restoration. But true restoration comes when you know what you're turning towards. And for that to happen, you have to understand the blessing and the curse. We saw that in the prodigal son. At some point, he had to get up out of that pigsty and go home. Because he realized where he was in comparison to where God used to have him. So last week, it was this origin and order. We closed the prayer of Nehemiah in the first chapter. And we came to the understanding that when you understand who you've come from 
and where you've come from, it not only helps you get to where you want to be, but it lines out how to get there. Why? Because if you have a healthy view that where you're going, you can't get there by yourself, it starts you in a place where you understand that you're totally and completely dependent on Christ throughout the whole thing. But if you don't know who you've come from, then you set up a goal for yourself that um, has the characteristics of you trying to get yourself there. But when you know you've come from a, from a God who is in everything, has orchestrated everything from the beginning of time up until now, then you understand you can't do it on your own. That's where Nehemiah was in his prayer. We, we close that out. He's got this burden, and he realizes he can't do it. So he, he goes through this eloquent prayer of basically centering himself on the Lord. And then in just a few words, six or seven words, he asks for something. He just asks for favor. And then he makes a statement at the end and says, now I'm the cupbearer to the king. Now that brings us to today, divine timing. And before I jump into this, we have to know that the Lord that we serve, the God that we call on, Elohim Almighty, Prince of Peace, from the time that he spoke the earth into existence to each second as this message progresses. He is in time. You've heard me say this. He's in time, on time, every time. And there has not been a single time ever, ever where he has been late. And there also has not been a single time where he was too early. Think about that. He's never been late, but he's also never been early. He's never, we don't see in the word where he walked away from a situation and was like, you know what? Oh, jumped the gun on that one. He, he, no. That means that his timing in your life is perfect. Perfect. Your circumstance, everything that you're dealing with right now is because of his timing. But let me say this. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to step in. He's waiting on you to make a move. But he's asking for you to be prepared throughout the process of when he sets up a time for you to step in. Here's the statement. Where are we going? Oh, there we go. Sorry. Here's the statement that is going to drive all of today. And it's this. And I'll say it first. I'll say it one time and then I'll kind of slow it down. But upon all that we've read up until now, we can... We can Understand this about the God that we serve. The Lord is about the business of bringing to fruition the manifestation of the core of your prayer. And here's the catcher. In an arena of his choosing. The Lord is about the business of bringing to fruition, bringing to reality. The manifestation or the working out of the details of your prayer, what you pray on a daily basis, what your heart is pouring out in front of the Lord. He wants to bring that to reality and he wants to work that out. But here's the, here's the catch. He wants to do that in an arena that he sets up. He wants to do that in an arena of his choosing. Okay. You guys catch me on that? So with that being said, how do we see that? In Nehemiah 2, verses 1 and 2. Well, let's read it, if we can get that up on the screen. 
And this is the beginning of chapter 2. This is after his prayer. He says, and it came about in the month of Nisan, if I say that right, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. For those of you who don't know, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. And what that means is he tastes food, wine, whatever that is, so that it's not poisoned. He understands or uh, is the guy who gets poisoned before the king pretty much. Um, so that's his job. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. Now, there's some things in there that, as you just read through, it's kind of like an eastern Colorado town. If you blink, you'll miss it. All right? These verses have a lot in them. And they have a lot in them because of some dates and some things that were said in Nehemiah 1, all of chapter 1. So we're going to pick this apart, and I want to show you the Lord's divine timing. I want to show you how... It's a, it's an arena. There's an arena that's being set up here for Nehemiah's prayer to be answered. It's no different for us. What you're going through right now is a lot of times we concentrate on the end result, the, the prayer actually being answered. <laughs> we don't realize that it's being answered throughout the entire process in so many different ways that we just, we don't see because we have tunnel vision on the end result. He's in the whole thing. So in verse 1a, if I was to call it that, we have a date. Dates are important in the Bible. Why? Because the Lord saw it fit to put that date in the word. So it's in there for a reason. We're going to look at that. Now the second part of verse 1, 1b if you want to call it that, there's a statement about sadness. It says, now I had not been sad in his presence. That's another thing to not overlook. It's a big sentence. It's a big statement. The next part, all of verse 2, you see a question, and then you see a diagnostic statement after that. He, he, he says, why are you sad? But then he diagnoses sadness. It's just sadness of heart. And he was very much afraid. So we're going to look at those things. So first of all, if we look at this date, it says it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Now that month, upon my research is the first month of the Jewish calendar, Jewish calendar. In conjunction with our calendar, it's around March or April. Now, we saw back in Haggai, some however many months ago, that when dates were put out, there was actual there was an actual day with those dates. We don't have an actual day in the month with these dates, but we do have the month. In my research, that month is about March or April. Now, the other date in Nehemiah is the very first couple verses in chapter 1. And I don't know if we have that, but I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, now it happened in the month of Kislev, C-H-I-S-L-E-V, in the 20th year. So also doing research on that date, that is the ninth month of the Jewish calendar, equivalent to November or December. So at the beginning of this prayer, let's just use our calendar. Let's just call it December. If, if it's in between November and December and the other one's in between March and April, let's use December and April, the, the latter of the two. That's four months. Now, we don't have a specific day. 
All right? So we can't say it was 136 days. Or it was 112. Oh, that'd be less than four months, but 120. But what we're just going to say is there's this time period of about 120 days where Nehemiah ends his prayer and then this situation arises. Um, We would like to think it was the very next day, but those dates give us a time frame. There's something about that. There's something about that. And it's this, that the only thing that we know that transpired in that amount of time was that Nehemiah came upon some information about Jerusalem from his brother, Hekeliah, in in, in, uh, chapter 1. And it was the state of affairs of Jerusalem. We covered that. All we know is that he got that information and then immediately dropped to his knees and prayed. We went through that whole prayer. It took us a couple months. Probably took him about 45 seconds. He prayed. And then at the end of that prayer, he just says, now I am the cupbearer to the king. And then it came about. That's all we know in that time. And then let's let's move to the second part. Where it says, now I had not been sad in his presence. He makes a statement that gives us a little bit of an idea of the behavior of Nehemiah within that 120 days. Now you've, you've heard me talk about this culture. That if you were sad before the king, that you're putting your life in danger. Back then, if you had any kind of attitude that was contrary to what the king was maybe feeling at that point. Hey... Write your letter, write your obituary. I frowned in front of the king and then I was dead. That's it. That's how, that's how they carried themselves back then. He's saying he had not been sad in front of the king. So when he got done praying his prayer, which at the beginning of his prayer, it was unbelievably emotional. He wept and he mourned. You know what he had to do after he got up off of his knees after he prayed? He had to go to work. We don't see in that 120 days where he said, hey, I took four months off. He didn't do it. The man had to get up and go to work every single day with that stuff in him. And what does it tell us that his behavior was? That he'd never been sad. Whoa. (laughs) That's heavy. So what are you thinking? You're thinking, oh, my goodness, every day he just had to effort himself through that day. He just had to not be sad and put on a face of happiness for the sake of life so that he didn't die. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to put on? Then what happened after that? You probably got tired of putting on. Whether it was for a week, 120 days, 8 months, 8 years, 10 years, a lifetime up until this point. My goodness. That is exhausting. But what did Nehemiah pray for at the end of his prayer? It was real short. He asked for favor. And he asked for success with this man. And this man was the king. So that little sentence right there blows this whole thing open. That he'd never been sad before the king for this entire time. Ladies and gentlemen, guess what that is? Whether Nehemiah knew it or not, that was the favor of the Lord acting in his prayer. We don't see whether Nehemiah was thinking about the time in which he was going to ask the king to leave Jerusalem 
to go rebuild the walls, excuse me, uh, leave where he was, leave his job to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. He may have been thinking about the end result of his prayer. Give me favor when I go ask this. But what the Lord is doing is every single day when he gets up, he's in front of the king. And the king didn't see sadness. He didn't see it. That's the favor of the Lord acting in this man's life with all of this stuff that's in him. He's not trying to be fake, but he's letting the favor of the Lord work in him for 120 days. How do we, how do we know that? If you would turn back to Nehemiah 1, just one page over, or slide the finger to the whatever side if you got your digital copy of the word. In verse 6, this is after Nehemiah has entered into this prayer. He says, let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night. On behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. I skipped right past it. It says, your, your eyes, excuse me, let your ears now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. And he says this, which I am praying before you now. Day and night. So there was an aspect of having to pray for favor day and night. Every single day for 120 days. For four months. Now Nehemiah didn't on the 56th day say, you know what? However many days that is left, that's what I got. I just got to push through for so many more days. On the 112th day, he's like, "Mm, you know what? Eight days left. We don't see that. There's not this time period that's attached to this. All we know is that he got hit with some information and he continued to pray over and over until something happened. And we're about to see his prayer being answered. But it's that 120 days, ladies and gentlemen, that I think is so important to look at. Not just the end result, but those those 120 days. What is the 120 days for you? It may not be that time. Exactly four months. But that time period, what is that for you? Do we put it in front of the Lord and then he doesn't answer what we think he doesn't answer in enough time? So then do you abandon your prayer? I'm challenging you guys this morning not to do that. If you abandon anything, abandon hopelessness. Give up on doubt. But don't give up on praying. Ever. Ever. Because he's working in that. Amen? So it could have been one of those two things that I was talking about. He's praying about the end result. Or he's literally praying about the process in which he's waiting on the Lord. Regardless... You know what? I think it's both. Let's not try to pick that apart. (laughs) It's God. And the same is for us. So this last part, this question, and then this diagnostic response. Uh, This is the arena. Nehemiah wasn't ready for this that day, but he was prepared. Why was he prepared? Because he spent time praying day and night for the favor of God. He didn't wake up this day and be like, all right, here we go. I'm going to get all 
snazzy. I'm going to walk in there with a sad face. And somewhere around 10 a.m., the king is going to ask me, why are you sad? He didn't wake up that day with that type of agenda. But here's what else. If he prayed for favor with the king and for success with the king, who knows what the Lord was taking the king through for him to be able to see in Nehemiah that sadness. On the same side of things, Nehemiah was being used by the Lord. And then that day, for whatever reason, the sadness was shown. It was just shown. How do we know that? Because it says, now I had not been sad in his presence, the end of verse 1. And then all of a sudden, the king sees his sadness. That's, that's the Lord. That's not Nehemiah. But the other side of it is that the Lord is, is taking care of it from the back end. He's not only taking care of it with you, but he's taking care of it with everyone who's involved with you. Amen? Understand that. See that. Here's the arena in which the details of his prayer are coming to fruition. Are you going to step into that? I'm going to read verse 3. It's a response from Nehemiah after this question. We're not really going to dive into verse 3 today. But the challenge for you guys this morning, those arenas, those, those circumstances for your prayers to be answered are created on a daily basis sometimes. And just like this building, the Lord is not asking us to wait for the perfect property to come by before we dive in. He's saying dive in and I'll take care of it. When that arena comes, are you going to dive in? Or are you going to say, you know what, I don't think this is comfortable enough. <laughs> Let me just continue praying. And the Lord's like, okay, well, I'll bring another arena around situation. He's waiting on you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Hear me when I say that. The Lord is about the business of bringing to fruition the manifestation of the core of your prayer in an arena of his choosing. Now let me read verse 3 real quick. The king sees this stuff. And his response is not one of a king who has seen sadness and then decides to cut that person's head off. Head off. That's also favor. His response shows the favor of the Lord working for Nehemiah. And giving him success. But here's Nehemiah's answer. He said, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate? And the gates have been consumed by fire. Very quickly. I don't know how long ago it was. Maybe six to eight weeks Excuse me. I asked you guys a question. I said, when somebody asks you how you are, do you give them the easy answer or do you give them the real answer? Are you afraid of giving them the real answer because all of a sudden you will give them real information and they might abuse that? Sometimes, yes. But the Lord is asking you to be real with him. If he came to this earth for relationship with you, he created all these people in this room and all these people out in Fort Collins for what? Relationship. So what he's saying, give them the real me that's in you. 
give them the real answer because I got it taken care of. Even if you do give them that information and they do go abuse it for whatever reason, that's not up to you. I'm asking you to be obedient to me and just give the real answer. Nehemiah gave the real answer knowing that he could possibly be done in the midst of that conversation. Now again, favor was working in Nehemiah's life. So he prayed for that day and night. But when the arena comes, are you going to be real? When it presents itself, give what the Lord is putting in you to give to that situation. Because ladies and gentlemen, you've been praying for it forever and ever. It finally comes and you're like, oh, not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Let me take a step back and make sure that I'm comfortable before I jump into it. And no, simply give the real answer. We'll dive into that more next week. But I felt it was apropos to read that today. So you guys, are you with me up until this point? The Lord had set this whole thing up. The whole thing. Bringing to reality right now the process in which Nehemiah's, excuse me, in which he, the Lord, is working out the details of this man's prayer. I'm going to tell you this. You're in the middle of the 120 days. I'm just going to say that. I feel like the Lord is saying you can say that. Right now you, I'm speaking to each one of you on an individual level, you are in the middle of the 120 days. But you have seen the conclusion or the Lord answer prayer in your life before. You know what that's like. I know you know what that's like. But in the midst of this time period, let's, let's not even call it a time period. Here's what I want to get to talking about when it comes to this 120 days. If I say that you're in the middle of that, Nehemiah, from the moment he heard about Jerusalem, knew that there was no way, no way he was going to be able to do that on his own. Even in his current situation as a cupbearer, how in the heck am I supposed to get away from that job? To go do what the Lord's put in me to do. That is utter and complete dependence on God. And I'm going to say, for you, in the middle of your 120 days, let's not call it a time period or put a beginning and end on it. As much as it is the Lord trying to draw out of you utter and complete dependence on Jesus Christ. That is for you this morning. That's what he is walking you through right now. That the basis of your purpose, that which you're supposed to accomplish in this lifetime, that end result, you're going to get there through complete dependence on Jesus Christ. 100% of the time. That's not something you step into, step out of, step back into when it's comfortable. Or Lord, please, oh, please, oh, please save me from this situation. He's not saying don't say those things, but he wants a lifestyle of praying day and night. And what he's trying to get from you is your dependence on him. Do you guys hear me this morning? Let's let's do that. If we haven't, let's start that today. 
to have that lens, to have that view. You know what that calls for? Calls for you to step into intimacy. Ooh, that's a big word. That's a revealing word. That's a scary word. A level of intimacy with the Lord that you've never experienced before. A level of intimacy today that you haven't experienced this morning. But this afternoon, he wants it to be more than what it is right now. Different from last week. But next week, it's going to be deeper than this week. Last year, it's not sufficient. This year, we're making progress. But next year, more. Do you hear what I'm saying? He wants that from us. That's the connection for us this morning. So let me get the worship team to come back up here. And let's get prepared for our offering as we close this morning. We see in these these verses a divine timing. It's an arena that Nehemiah didn't set up for himself. He didn't choose. But the Lord chose that for him. And he chose it for him through the king seeing in him something. The Lord let that emotion come out. He let it be recognized by the king. And then Nehemiah did something. He simply just stepped into it. That's all he did. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is doing the same thing in your life. He's trying to bring you to utter and complete dependence on him in your circumstance. To when that arena presents itself, you know who that you're taken care of. Why? Because all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. It says that in Matthew 8, uh, excuse me, 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So he's set it all up, regardless of how you feel or what you think is going to happen upon your response. It's under his control. So I want us to be encouraged by that this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your divine timing. And all you ask us to do is be godly men and women who are on our knees day and night simply asking for you to do something you you use Nehemiah and he uses word beseech which means fervently and urgently ask for you to do something just something we don't want to put our own parameters on it Heavenly Father you're just asking us to pray just to pray to leave it in your hands and let you do your work we thank you for that picture Lord as we take up this offering this 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 money is, is a resource to us so that we can use it, Lord, to affect this city, to win these people for Christ. Lord, that's the end goal. We can't do it without you. In your word, you ask us to, to give you what is yours. It's all your money anyway. Lord, bless the offering. Bless what gets put in there. And I pray that it's given joyfully. In Jesus' name. So here's what I th- well, what I think the Lord wants us to do this morning. I'm going to explain this, then I'm going to have Rick come up here. Rick has a word for us. 
But this morning we're going to pray. So if you could if you could stand to your feet as we close, we're going to we're going to pray as a congregation. And what I'm going to ask you to do in this moment is to let the Lord bring to mind that thing that he wants you to ask him for favor in. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask for favor. And then our posture after that, our mode of operation after that is simply to be completely and utterly dependent on him for the answering of that prayer. But you know what I want you to do tomorrow? I want you to pray the same thing. You know what I want you to do on Tuesday? Pray the same thing. Wednesday, next week, the week after, hey, let's pray until he presents the situation and the arena in which he's going to answer your prayer. So this is something, uh, Rick, can you come up here real quick? Rick's got a word for us this morning. Um, and we'll pray after after this, but I want you guys to hear this. You know, I, I, I love what I do. I love what I do. Right? In this season of my life, I, I've waited a long time for this season. And uh, it's a blessing to be in it. But you know, this morning I, I realized something. That uh, as I was on my way, I, I, had a, I had a thinking that was going on in my head. You know, in, in order to defeat... The spiritual forces against us. It's necessary that there are no spiritual forces against us in us. And I realize, you know, I I, I, I I allow this little bit of thinking. You know, I'm sick of not having resources. I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of debt. I don't know about you, man. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of having to be home by 8.30 every night. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of my trucks not working. I'm sick of my, I'm sick about, about not being able to have my grandkids to my house. I'm sick of it. And I was just ruminating on that. You ever done that? And here's what, here's what came to my mind. Is that I have resentment in me. I have it in me. And I began to look it up, you know. It's not good. You know, the, the in Hebrews, it's called a root of bitterness. And what it does is it begins to, you know, as, as, as Jesus said a statement, he says, the devil is coming and he has no part in me. And yet, that attack that we're facing, or I'm facing, yeah, he's got a part in me. But you know, it's not about how bad I feel about how bad I feel. It's not about how bad I feel about the word resentment. As soon as I said, Lord, I have resentment against you. You know what? I'm okay now. I'm all right. I'm all right. All all that changed. All of it made different. Love never fails. Now, I may be the only one in here like that, and that's okay. It's my confession. All right? But I, I think it's necessary if this is in you at all. Not to just come up and have somebody pray for you, but for, for, for us to move from our seats and come up and we say, God, I have resentment and I'm confessing it to you.
And you know what's going to happen out of that? That little conversation we took away on our way to do great things at church. I'll tell you what, that goes away. And that foothold, that that place where the enemy actually slips his foot into that foothold and gets on us and rides us, it's going to stop. So if that applies to you, all right, you can meet me up here because you know what? I'm going to beat everybody else up to the front. stole my microphone there. Alright, so you guys heard that. If that resonates with you, that's what God is doing up here. You need to get out of your seat and come up here. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a just a time of prayer here. We're gonna do it all at the same time. I want you to start playing, start singing, alright? And what's in you to pray when it comes to uh, beseeching the Lord, asking him to fervently and urgently do something for you. Let's not hold back on this this morning. So let's go. Let's pray not only for the people up here, but where you're at. Ask the Lord for favor and something in your life. So let's go. back this morning church come on now let him hear your prayers keep asking him yes heavenly father we know and we understand that you ask us to approach your throne first that's what Nehemiah did he approached his heavenly father first Lord, these people who are up here this morning, I pray for each and every one of them. Lord, that whatever is in them, the resentment, Lord Jesus, that they would confess that and it would be gone. To speak it out of their mouth and it would be gone. Thank you for what you're doing up front. And Lord, for the people who are in the congregation, continuing to lift their voice up to you. Asking for favor. And Lord, it's something you're asking us to do day and night, every single day. 
until you create that arena. Lord, I pray for wisdom and understanding and discernment to step into and and know and to see when that arena comes about. You'll know. He'll stir your heart. The Holy Spirit will stir your heart. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing this morning as we close with this worship song. More of it. Just because the song ends doesn't mean we have to end. But let's sing this one last time and give the Lord what is his today. And let our mode of operation as we walk from this place be one of utter and complete dependence on him in everything. All of it. So let's sing this. One last time. Mm-hmm.